you're listening to Prairie Justice, a Greg Sanders Vigilante podcast. Prairie Justice presents the Seven Soldiers of Victory. Howdy, everybody. Welcome back to Prairie Justice, the Greg Sanders Vigilante Podcast. Once again, I am Ranger Gord, and we are going to embark on another one of our mega-sodes that will feature the Seven Soldiers of Victory and the adventure from Leading Comics number 5, Winter 1943. But before I head into this, I just have a serious something I want to say. A few weeks ago, one Sunday afternoon, many of our uh, podcasters and comic book aficionados uh, went to a familiar website and found this. The podcast I speak of is called Mike's Amazing World of Comics, but uh, this was the welcome page that we find and is still up as of now, and I would assume it will be for a while. We are greeted by a character, a popular character from the Neil Gaiman's Sandman series. And that character, of course, is the female character of the representation of death. And the text accompanying this drawing says, It was my recent pleasure to help Mike on his way. No, this isn't a bit of delirium. It's real. But don't despair. Everything will be peachy keen. This website will not meet with destruction. It was Mike's desire that this site remain endless. He made arrangements regarding the destiny of the site. Sleep well, for his dream will continue for a long time to come. Until we meet again. And we continue with some quotes from Gaiman. Um, what's the name of the word for things not being the same always? You know, I'm sure there is one, isn't there? There must be a word for it. The thing that lets you know time is happening. Is there a word? Change. Oh, I was afraid of that. And that is the conversation of delirium and dream from Sandman number 43. And from Cain, the caretaker and Abel from Sandman number 71, this conversation. Nobody died. How can you kill an idea? How can you kill the personification of an action? Then what died? Who are you mourning? A point of view. Well, folks, many of us, of course, were confused by going to the site and seeing this. But I think we could only assume um, that the creator of this site, Mr. Mike Voiles, had again passed from this, or not again, but had passed from this this mortal coil. For those of you who don't know, Mike's Amazing World is probably 
a fine example of what the internet should be. It shouldn't be people arguing and fighting and threatening people and advertising. It should be a library of data and esoterica and the things that people care about. And for the past number of years, I, I guess I had been going here for at least 10 years. I'm not exactly sure when it started. Mike Voiles had had an amazing database. Um, it was his dream to own and read every DC comic ever made. And that's why the, uh, the site was originally called Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics. He expanded it over the years to include Marvel Comics, Archie, Charlton, Dark Horse, Dell, Gold Key, Harvey, uh, IDW, Image, and for all we know, probably several others that are buried in, here in this incredible site. Um, it's a story that indexes comics going right back to New Fun Comics of 1935, uh, and for all we know... Uh, to, to yesterday, to the, the buck comics that are still being issued today. And of course, um, Mike, long ago, made arrangements for this uh, website to be curated and to continue to be tended. I don't know who's doing it, but they're still doing the amazing job. Mike uh, was a very opinionated man. Uh, he knew what he liked about DC Comics. He was a very classic sort of a guy. He wasn't a fan of what had gone on um, about comics, you know, with into the movie and television age. But he was a fan of the classics, and he really wanted to uh, to let everybody know, like, where what is the reason for the season, the reason for our fandom, and that, of course, is the books themselves. These nice little floppies that many of us found as kids or as youths. And many of us, even in our old age, are still enjoying and we're doing podcasts about them, as I do with uh, The Vigilante. Uh, his site uh, talked about characters, creators, uh, what was on a newsstand, comparisons, guides, galleries, articles, and analysis, um, his own um, musings. And Mike, for a brief time, had his own podcast which uh, was broadcast on the Two True Freaks Network, which was how I found all about comic book podcasting. Through first through the Two True Freaks and then through Comic Book Speak and Fire and Water and so many others. And so I, I don't know of a comic book podcaster that doesn't use this resource to go back and to verify information. I know I certainly do, and I know many of us certainly credit Mike's very, very hard work. Uh, so, now Mike was a very, very private man. This is really the only evidence that we have that Mike is indeed gone, that he has turned over the website and this, of course, this character of death who uh, eases our way into that... Uh, eternal void Mike was apparently a very big fan of the Sandman series so this tribute on here on the uh, on the main page of Mike's Amazing World is incredible and now of course it's not just the DC Comics it's my, my Amazing World period dot com 
So farewell to you, Mike. Thank you very much for all of your hard work. And uh, the the internet is a tenuous, shaky thing, and it's uh, you never know when something's going to blow up. But I'm glad that you thought enough about us and uh, how much we thought of your work. Um, and we believe that it will probably always carry on. And to me, they can call it, if somebody comes along and calls it something else, to me, it will always be Mike's Amazing World. So in that great database in the sky, Mike, I hope you can hear this. Or and if you don't, that's okay. There's an awful lot of people down here saddened by your passing, but more joyful by the fact that you actually lived and that your work will still give us a lot of pleasure, satisfaction, and will lead to a lot of other great work as well. As I said, Mike, your database was what the Internet was all about. And I hope that uh, the rest of us can learn from that example, stop fighting on social media, and just enjoy our interests and uh, use this amazing gift of the modern technology for what it's worth as a library and as a resource. And uh, thank you, Mike. So thank you, everybody, for allowing me that brief interlude. And now... On with Leading Comics number five. Yes, indeed, we are off to another adventure of the Seven Soldiers of Victory that, of course, features our hero, the Vigilante, along with his teammates, the Crimson Avenger, Green Arrow and Speedy, the Star-Spangled Kid and Stripesy, and Sir Justin the Shining Knight, and all of their friends, including Wing and uh, Winged Victory. Yes, uh, we are into winter 1942, and I believe I said winter 1943 earlier, and there's a reason for that. This is a quarterly, so uh, it uh, takes you out of through the season, which of course goes past a year's uh, given time frame, and into, uh, call it winter 1942-1943 if you must, but uh, the cover date calls it winter 1942 because it was on sale December 9th, 1942. On sale for 10 cents uh, for a 64-page um, count in the book. And, of course, that is now with ads. We are with ads, so the, t the story itself will come out to 56 pages. Uh, the editor here is Frederick Whitney Ellsworth, but before I go to the interior, I must talk about the cover. And the cover is a good one for us fans of the Vigilante because it features him front and center. Uh, he's the biggest fi figure on the page, so he has either become Giant Man or Goliath, or the, seven, the other seven soldiers have shrunk because he's got them in his lariat. And it's a, I guess it's a bit of perspective that really could work well, but it doesn't work well on uh, the constrictions of the uh, of the of the uh, portfolio style uh, cover. I guess if this was had been a wraparound cover, it might work better. But you, I think it's a bit of perspective that Meskin tried doesn't quite work. It's on a yellow background. 
But the art itself, um, don't get me wrong, uh, it's got six of the soldiers tied up in knots and uh, apparently uh, believe they're having a little bit of fun about it because they seem to be, uh, be smiling a bit. And Vidge is smiling as well. And um, for some reason, his, le his uh, bandana neckerchief is off as well. And okay, so the uh, cover text says Vigilante, Green Arrow, Star-Spangled Kid, Shining Knight, Crimson Avenger. All go to town together in a fast full-length adventure against as wily a rascal as ever gave seven heroes a tussle in the story of The Miracles That Money Couldn't Buy. Now, as with all... Uh, of our leading comics uh, experiences the seven soldiers stories have been collected in the seven soldiers of victories archives volume 2 hardcover published in 2007 and of course those hardcover archives are uh, probably still out there your best bet is to probably try it through I would suggest a books uh, that's a used book website uh, that collects uh, antiquarian books from all over the world actually and uh, I find that they're a little bit fairer than going through Amazon although I believe Amazon is the owner of Abe books I just find it's a, a better aggregation and uh, does a better job now the one unfortunate thing about Mort Meskin's involvement is he's done with the cover uh, but that's okay because the artwork is uh, been taken on inside by one Ed Dobrotka who is doing the chores on all of the chapters so Seven Soldiers is getting a little bit of a cohesiveness here it's not so much acting like a distribution agent for uh, all of the other anthology titles that the characters are appearing in Ed did work on uh, the Seven Soldiers of Victory before in our prior issue, Leading Comics number four, the Sense Master story. Uh, but he did start in 1941 on none other than Superman, and also worked at Fawcett for on the Bullet Man stories. Came back to DC to do Robot Man in Star Spangled Comics, and he he will be featured in All Star Comics later on. And he's back to Fawcett to do some uh, Uncle Sam work. Or uh, over to Quality for Uncle Sam work. Sorry. So he's DC Fawcett and Quality. And also works on something called Rusty Ryan. Which I don't know what that is. Um, apparently he's also goes into the Superboy era. And has done some work on the dailies as well. And his last credit goes to... A Superboy story in 1953. So he's definitely uh, an artist that belongs to the Golden Age here. So we'll see how he does on this uh, very lengthy story with uh, a lot of characters and a lot of vil uh, a lot of heroes and a lot of villains. Now, speaking of our leading comics number four, our prior episode. I had promised Dave McIlvaney that I would read his seven-part feedback that he gave to each chapter in the uh, corresponding chapters in the next Seven Soldiers Megasode. So let's start with that and we'll match them up uh, 
hero to hero how it goes so dave from way back in february 13th 2023 uh greetings ranger gord thanks for another megasode with the seven soldiers of victory i enjoyed your previous one from leading comics number three so i'm looking forward to this one I know it's more work on your part, but I think your plan to break it up into parts based on the original chapters is really the way to go, and tying it into Roy Thomas's later work in All-Star Squadron during Crisis on Infinite Earths makes great sense. Yeah, that was, uh, thanks Dave, that was a bit of a decision on me. I just decided that uh, this show needed to be about the original story, and how somebody else uh, tied it into a later story is... Uh, secondary in back to dave's letter in the beginning framing segment i think the sense master letting the shining knight have his sword back was as boneheaded a move as letting vigilante keep his ever handy spurs and just to break in we know dave loves vigil spurs uh, back to the letter i wouldn't be surprised if that happens in vigilante's chapter of the adventure please don't spoil it now by telling me whether this happens Tell you the truth, Dave, I don't remember. <laughs> As always, the musical pieces underlying your descriptions add to my delight, especially the Magnificent Seven theme, which I find quite stirring even when performed by the cast of Cheers. Look forward to following along as these episodes appear over the next few weeks. Live long and prosper, Dave McIlvaney. Thank you, Dave. And as you can, as I have said, we'll you'll hear Dave's... Uh, feedback as in uh, succeeding chapters here so with all of that uh, introduction let's get right to the drama and let's meet that man who tries to buy his own miracles elon musk in the 1940s Possessed of cold, ruthless, calculating power. Driven by a diabolically cunning, scheming brain that scoffs at justice and toys with murder. Moving with a mastery over men and money, unmatched by any other mortal. Such is the man known and feared as the Skull. The seven soldiers of victory, enmeshed in a maze of dark and dangerous design, find themselves battling for their lives as they pit their magic skill and matchless courage against the foul and felonious plans of the wealthiest man in the world. In his quest for the miracles that money couldn't buy. In the office of the Globe Leader, Lee Travis, better known in his guise of the Crimson Avenger, waits impatiently for the jangling of a distant bell. Operator, I've been trying for 15 minutes to get the state prison. I want to speak to the warden. I'm sorry, sir. The line is dead. Something is wrong at the prison. Something's wrong, and Porky Johnson's execution is scheduled for today. He always threatened to escape. 
I wonder. A swift twirl of the telephone dial, and in another part of the vast metropolis, where Green Arrow addresses a group of uniformed policemen. It's been a pleasure to address you, gentlemen, and speak of my experiences in fighting crime. Thank you very much. Excuse me, Mr. Green Arrow. There is a phone call, sir, from a man who says he's the Crimson Avenger. It's urgent. It must be urgent, or the Avenger wouldn't bother to call me at such a time. Later, the aeroplane, fastest thing on wheels, with a cargo of crime chasers, speeds towards the state prison. Porky Johnson committed many murderers, and you, Green Arrow, brought him to justice. That's why I got in touch with you. We'll be at the prison in 15 minutes. I hope we're not too late. Meanwhile, Death hovers over the grim gray walls of the penitentiary. Are they going to be surprised when these bombs land? Never mind the chatter. Follow the skull's orders and pull the lever. Dozens of incendiary bombs burst into flames over the prison buildings. Stand a chance. While unnoticed in the confusion, Bill Johnson climbs one of the towering stone walls. And they thought they'd have me hang me today. But the skull said they wouldn't, and he kept his promise. They'll trail me with bloodhounds and capture me again. Ah, that ladder coming off the plane. I, I wonder why the skull is doing all this for me. I don't even know who he is. But as the escaping convict clambers toward freedom, the trio of legionnaires arrives on the scene. Seems like we're too late, Green Arrow. We get a chance to get him. All set for the catapult, Speedy. The touch of a trigger, and the wizard archer sails through the air with the speed of one of his own arrows. I hope Speedy's aim was good. It'll be too bad if I miss that ladder. Just made it. And now to spoil Johnson's escape. Hey, 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 Green Arrow, where did you come from? You put your foot in it when you butted it in this time, Green Arrow. Eh, <laughs> uh, my head going in circles. I've got to hold on. As the dazed archer struggles to retain his grip, his criminal foe climbs to safety. So, so, so long, Green Arrow. You've got a long, long, long trip ahead of you down to Earth. My head's clearing. But Johnson is in the plane. And the pilot's going to cut the ladder. I've got to act fast while I'm still in the air. I'll be able to hang on by this arrow line. If it hits right, straight through one of the plane wings whizzes the steel barb. And the Master Bowman's sudden descent is checked. Now to climb up toward the plane. But up above, in the cockpit, 
He, he, he still tried to get me. We, we have to get rid of him somehow. We're passing over a forest. I've got an idea. We'll swing him against one of those trees on the end of his own arrow line. Huh. Wonder why the plane is flying so low. I get it. They're trying to get rid of me. I'll just have to time this just right. Get, get Green Arrow, he, he got away! Never mind him. My orders are to deliver you to the skull. Just made it. Soon, all over the country, a series of sensational escapes brings freedom to vicious criminals and baffling headaches to the police. Hey, he's got a gun! Well, these bullets are a present from the skull. And me, Bronco Slade. This girl sure knows how to pick a poison gas that works, at least for me, the sparkler. The skull had this tunnel dug for me, and I myself, Bull Corbin, didn't know it until now. He's sure a slick customer. I wonder who he is. Greeter, this is a release order to have you transferred to another prison. You'll go with this officer. I don't know that this order was forged. This fake cop is one of the Skull's men. And soon events bring together once again the Seven Soldiers of Victory in Union. First Porky Johnson got away, and now Bull Corbin who was sentenced to solitary imprisonment for life. I wonder if the same man is responsible for both escapes. We caught Sparkler and had him convicted. And now he's free again. We'll have to keep an eye out for dirty work. So that Rattler Bronco Slade shot his way out of prison. Well, I'll just have to round him up again. That base violet greeter has once more eluded the minions of justice. I must call him to account once more. Meanwhile, in a domain worthy of an oriental monarch, rises a towering castle constructed with matchless splendor. Master of its wondrous wealth is none other than the Skull. You gentlemen are wondering why I had you released from jail. Oh, I figure you're the boss of a big shot crime outfit. No, gentlemen, I'm not a professional criminal. I am a wealthy man, wealthy beyond your dreams. But there are some things my money cannot buy. You shall get them for me. 
You, Slade, are an expert with horses. I want you to steal Spinaway, the world's fastest racer, which his owner refused to sell to me at any price. You'll save me from being shot by a firing squad, school. I'll get that horse for you. Sparkler, you know gems. You must get for me the famous Koram Diamond, which I couldn't buy for a million dollars. Well, Mr. Skull, if not for you, I'd be dead in a lethal chamber right now. That diamond is as good as in your pocket. Corbin, it's up to you to steal the rocket ship which an inventor is building in Kentucky. With that, I shall be able to take a pleasure trip to the moon. I'll follow your orders, Skull. Greeter, you've got a harder job than the others. I want you to steal the Shining Knight's bulletproof coat of mail. Then I will no longer be afraid of being shot in the back by some traitor. I'll do that very thing, Skull. It was the knight's fault I was caught and sentenced to be electrocuted. As for you, Porky Johnson, your job is slightly different. I want you to secure a machine whose rays bring about perpetual youth. I'm getting to be an old man, and I'm afraid of dying. Just tell me where it is, Skull, and it's yours. Yes, gentlemen. I, who am the wealthiest man in the world, want these miracles that money can't buy. Your quest must be successful. Now be off. And good luck. Good luck to the Skull's men means an evil destiny for a law-abiding mankind. Is the skull, as he thinks, really above the law? Does his gigantic wealth give him the power to flout the rules which ordinary mortals must obey? Have the seven soldiers of victory finally met their nemesis? We shall see. Okay, now we're back with just a few comments I wanted to make uh, regarding the story and then a little bit about, uh, once again, how this uh, podcast series is going to work. Uh, first, to just start with uh, page one of this introduction. Oh, by the way, we're still, we're back. I shouldn't say back. We're now regularly calling our seven soldiers of victory the seven soldiers of victory. They're throughout the story. So, uh <laughs> Just to knock off a few things that I have said on this podcast earlier that they were never referred to on in covers and things, uh, but uh, they certainly are in the story. So at, at least we're on to that. 
Uh, now on page one, we have a green skull, not a red skull, folks. That's the other company, a green skull, along with the heads of five generic-looking criminals, who all have, many of seem, seem seem to have a bit of a tobacco habit. We got uh, Porky Johnson, who seems to perpetually wear a uh, prison uniform, such as Lex Luthor in the 1960s. We've got Matt Dreeter, who's wearing a yellow skimmer. We've got the Sparkler. Oh, and Matt Dreeter, of course, has a cigarette hanging out of one side of his lip. And out of the other side of the other lip, we have the Sparkler, a dapper young man with a fedora, with the the snap rim bent back up and uh, also a cigarette holder making him look a little bit more debonair along with his uh, pencil thin mustache in the center we got bull uh what's his name again bull corbin and he's got one of those floppy 1930s type po'boy caps on and he's smoking a pipe and i presume the last guy Bronco Slade, well, he looks a bit like Terra Man. In fact, his coloring is a bit like such. And he probably even talks like that. He doesn't seem to have any tobacco habit unless he's chewing. I'm not sure. So this Green Skull character, probably an obvious ripoff of the Red Skull. Oh, what? Who are you guys? What, what's happening here? Just take, get, get away from my microphone! There. Now things are going to be a little bit different around here, Ranger God. I don't understand what you're what you're doing here. What what, what do you guys want? We've taken over your podcasting machine. So that there are no objections. I will be making the commentary and the directions around here. After all, I have just purchased the internet. <laughs> well, as this man was said, I am not a green skull, clearly as you turn the pages in this story. And see me at the end, I am a tan skull. Yes, uh, many days in Miami... Of course. And this man who sits there and mocks my millions. Well, the only thing I have to say about my people here, the things, the demeaning comments this ranger has said about my minions, well, of course they are generic criminals. You, All the good ones are off in the 1940s working in Germany. And a ripoff of the Red Skull. Well, he's probably a brother, of course. Uh, and he's working for my, my good friend Hitler. But I just wanted to make a few comments regarding these people. These minions, as you say. My operatives. Who are Bronco Slade, Bull Corbin, Bill Parky Johnson, and Matt Greta, and the Sparkler. Well, the text would have you believe that the seven soldiers have battled these men before and bested them. 
Well, you can go back to their anthology stories if you wish, or you can believe this ranger guard man who has been cataloging the vigilante. These men have never appeared before. So, therefore, by the rules of Roy Thomas, they are a part of retroactive... What is that word again? Retroactive continuity! So, this is characters who are referenced in this story but never appeared before. And as you shall see, they shall never appear again. <laughs> Except for the skull who is appearing right now. Now, you shall hear this story, this 1943 story, not only on this podcast, but on six subsequent, uh, what do you call them again? Podcasts? Broadcasts? Pod. What is a pod? Anyway, I'm from the 40s. You shall hear this in upcoming days. Now, in the past, Ranger God has tried to put them out every four days. But I believe he shall probably issue these on a weekly basis over the next seven weeks from the time of this release itself. So, therefore, you shall hear through the month of January and possibly into February the Seven Soldiers of Victory leading comics story. And you think that's a slow rollout? Well, you should see what Ranger Gord's podcasting schedule normally is. Well, at least while these are being rolled out, hopefully that infernal meddler will get back onto the schedule of the Vigilante podcasts and give him some time to bottle up and get some podcasts so that he can release them through this spring and summer and his schedule that he keeps whining about. So... Return to this page, Prairie Justice, to hear the, the subsequent stories of the man who wanted to buy the world and the miracles that his money couldn't buy. And this Musk fellow, I must get to meet him. <laughs> what is it he owns, this Twixter? Okay. We shall see you again, folks. And now... Here is that insipid song that Ranger God and that McElveney fellow seem to enjoy.